0: Good morning. good morning. It's so good to be in the house with you. I want to uh, just recognize everyone worshiping with us in other places as well. Maybe there's some people in the Unity Hall. This, place is pretty, this room's pretty full right now. Um, and I know there's a lot worshiping with us online as well. If you're in the house, can you put your hands together and welcome everybody else? Let them know how happy we are. We love you. We are in the middle of a series right now called the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' most significant, longest sermon that he ever had done, and likewise, this is a very significant, long series as well. We're, somebody asked me the other day, like, oh, so how many more weeks is that? I'm like, oh, we're doing the whole thing. We're doing the whole Sermon on the Mount, so buckle in. It's just a couple more uh, for those of you getting tired of it, but... Um, if you missed any of them, go check them out. They're all available. All of our messages are always available at mynewhope.in, and you can go to the menu and hit media, and you can watch what happened last week or three weeks ago. Uh, you can even search. Like You can search and be like, you know, I want a message about something. And if we did a good job tagging, you can search, and it'll like, you get to hear me talk about it a year ago or something, or maybe my dad talking about it. All right, so the first two weeks, we talked about the Beatitudes, uh, bless, kingdom blessings. Then we discovered that the world can't taste and see if we aren't salt and light, then we realize that Jesus was after the heart of the matter. It's not just our actions, it's our motivations behind, that, behind them that Jesus is looking at. And because of that, last week I talked about how we should be viewing all of life with eternity in mind. Not, you know, not with our 80-year perspective, but with an eternal perspective is how we should look at our world. Today, we're going to look at the golden rule. Do unto others as you wish that they would do unto you. How many, how many did not know that that was in the Bible until I just said it? Anybody like, okay. So you hear about it even when you're a kid, you know? It's not, it's not just a Christian idea. It's a, it's a good guy attitude, you know? People talk about it all the time. This is quoted all over the place. Do you know why it's called the Golden Rule? Do you know why it's called the Golden Rule? I didn't. Um, in, when was it? About 1,800 years ago, the uh, Roman Emperor Alexander Severus He was not a Christian, but he loved this idea so much that he had it inscribed on his bedroom wall in gold. And that's when it became the golden rule. So it's been the golden rule for about 1,800 1800 years. Here's how I'm going to say it. This is the main point for today. Dish what you wish. Just dish what you wish. Dish out what you wish was on your plate. You don't give someone liver and onions if you don't also want liver and onions. If you like liver and onions, okay, maybe you should dish liver and onions. But if you wouldn't want liver and onions dished to you, don't dish it to somebody else. But more than that, if you wish for some chocolate cake, you need to be dishing some chocolate cake. I didn't get any from VBS, by the way. (laughs) If If you dish what you wish, There's multiple connections in the Bible between giving and receiving. It's all over the place. You dish what you wish. You forgive, God forgives you. This just got serious. You know what happens without forgiveness. It's not good. You don't forgive, God doesn't forgive you. This is in the Bible. In fact, Matthew 18, 18 Takes it further, Jesus says, "'Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth "'will be bound in heaven, "'and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven.'" Think about what that means. Think about what that means as children of God. Think about what that means in our partnership with God. Let me read it again, actually. "'Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth "'will be bound in heaven, "'and whatever you loose on earth "'will be loosed in heaven.'" Turn to the person next to you and say, I think he's getting serious now. <laughs> Type it in the chat. Getting serious. There's a connection between our giving and our receiving. We give to God, He blesses us. Pastor Frank just mentioned that. We give to God, He sends blessings back. That's why we have a 90 days tithe challenge. If you aren't tithing, I encourage you get started. What do you have to lose? It's a money back guarantee. Put God to the test. You can find information about that on our giving page on our website. In fact, a couple in our church took the challenge, and they gave Jesus a chance. Listen to their text. I got this text yesterday. Uh, This couple texted me and said, recently you preached on tithing. Since then, we've been giving 10% faithfully, and we've seen nothing but blessing after blessing after blessing since then. This was uh, last spring. Another huge example of, of our blessing is this past week, our Jeep had to go in for vehicle maintenance. And they quoted the known repairs at $1,800. Well, when they got in there, they found even more things wrong and said it would be hundreds more to fix it. And they fixed all of it, and we still walked out paying less than $2,000. It was just amazing to see his work. On top of that, we then got a huge financial blessing this week that wasn't expected at all. Look at Jesus go. Look at Jesus go. they, They dished what they wished. There's a connection between our giving and our receiving. and We're actually practicing this as a church as well. It's not just a practice for individuals. Our church is practicing it as well. We are launching a South Auburn location. And we are so excited that this is on track now. We had a couple hiccups. The hiccups are hicked up and we're moving. I can make up words. You know what I'm saying. We're, as long as you understand, it's all right. So, so we've, got, we've got all the hicked up and, and we're, we're moving and we're excited to be progressing with that. Um, and we're going to have to do some fundraising. It's pretty significant fundraising to improve the property there. We don't feel it's, qu- it's quite ready for us to move in and start church services. So we are going to be doing some significant fundraising in the coming weeks. We've actually been given a $15,000 grant. Just, but it's not come yet. The check hasn't been written, but I think that's pretty cool. We have, uh, we have a $15,000 grant that's been approved, but it's matching. It's matching, so we need to match it. So on September 11th, we're going to have our first Heart for the House offering. On September 11th. Between now and then, I want to ask you and your spouse to start talking to each other. This is above and beyond the tithe. This isn't your tithe. What would God have you give towards launching into the South Auburn location. We need to do some, some pretty serious um, uh, remodeling out there. What would God have you? Maybe, maybe, you, make it, maybe you, you tell God, you know, if you bring something in that I'm not expecting, I'm just gonna give that straight to you. I'm gonna give that straight straight to this. Start praying about that. Start thinking about it. Yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to twist your arm, right? Like, let God tell you. Yeah. Let God tell you right. what he wants you to give on September 11th, and our heart for the house offering. We have a lot to raise. And I wish that somebody comes along and just hands us a massive check. That would be cool. Right? Like, I, I wish that. And so we're going to dish that. Dish what you wish. We're planting seeds. I've said this, I started this a little bit saying... That this isn't just a principle for people. This is a principle for the church. This is a principle for the church as well. And so we know we have a lot to raise. And we want to plant seed into another church that's launching. Uh, Courtney and Marilyn Kerner are here. Would you stand up real quick? This is Courtney and Marilyn Kerner. They're going to be uh, starting the Refuge Community Church in Butler. And we are so proud of them. And our board of directors met this week. And we're going to be given a substantial check to as seed into them and into the ministry that's going to happen in Butler. And that seed, we expect God to do amazing things in Butler. Can we give the Lord a praise for the nurse? Thank you. See, that seed, we're, we're, we're doing what the very thing I'm, I'm preaching. Our church is doing it. We're planting seed. We're dishing what we're wishing. We're dishing what we're wishing. This concept of dishing what we're wishing is the overall theme of the first 12 verses of Matthew 7. Dish what you wish. So let's look at the first seven verses of Matthew 7. If you're in Matthew 7, say, mm hmm. Okay, thanks for those of you that weren't and you said it anyway. It just makes me feel good. Because <laughs> you, you, you just said that because you know it's going to be on the screen. So let's go ahead and help those people out. Go ahead and put it up. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust? You know, what was Jesus' occupation? His father, uh, his earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter. So he's using what he's got in his ministry. Use what you got in your ministry. So carpenter Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay, pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Can you imagine a guy walking around a big plank sticking out of his eyeball. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. It's the only time in Matthew Jesus calls his disciples hypocrites. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus says, he starts this section... With words that everybody loves, do not judge. How interesting and ironic is it that my point is judge rightly? Judge rightly. I'm not contradicting Jesus. I want to just take a minute to un- unpack what he meant when he said, "Do not judge." Many have taken this passage to mean that we should have we, sh- we should never we should never judge anything. We should never judge. We shouldn't. Um, we shouldn't make a, an evaluative statement. That's not at all what this says. Have you heard that? Like, like it sure would be better if the whole, if everyone just wouldn't judge. Just, we don't need to judge anybody. Just, just let us be happy. You know what? Why? Who are who are you to say that what I'm doing isn't okay? Just, just let me. I'm not hurting you. It's Fine. It sounds, if you're not reading the context, it sounds like Jesus is saying, shame on you. Do not judge. But that's not even a little bit what he's saying. It sounds really peaceful, harmonious. Oh, it would be good if we were all just really happy all the time and nobody judged anybody and we're just good with whatever. If we're good with whatever, then there's no such thing as sin. We can't be good with whatever. Whatever. Just, just keep an open mind, Pastor Adam. Okay, I want to keep an open mind. I want to be tolerant, but I, want to keep, I don't want to keep my mind so open that my brain falls out. Amen. If, you, if you think that we should just not judge at all, have any type of judgment, then you're going to have a problem with Elisha in the Old Testament, who went after the false prophets pretty harshly. You're going to have a problem with Paul in the New Testament who confronted Peter when he was teaching something that was wrong. There was judgment there. In fact, you're going to have an even bigger problem with Jesus himself who judged the Pharisees and he modeled right judgment right here in this very passage. He didn't say, leave the speck of sawdust there. He says, get the speck out. Get the plank out and then get the speck out. You still have to have judgment to know that that's a speck. Jesus is telling us to judge rightly. To judge rightly. He's not speaking against making an evaluation or having judgment. We should have judgment, we should have discernment. Jesus is speaking against being judgmental. You get the difference? We shouldn't live judgmentally. In fact, there's three Greek words that often get translated judge. Different words in Greek, one word in English. There's anakrino, which means to examine. Anakrino is to examine. So like, like if you have two bowls of white fluffy stuff, white little specks, and it's one salt, one sugar, and you just hand it to me, they look pretty similar. You know, Some of you have mixed those up when you're making cookies. <laughs> If you're not pulling it out of the container, you might make a boo-boo. So if you, if you give me two, two bowls, one with sugar and one with salt, and you say, which one's salt, I'm going to have to onacrino it. I'm going to have to judge. I'm going to have to examine. Well, let me, let me examine this. <clears throat> that salt, now I'm judging it as salt. That is salt, that's diacrino. I'm making an evaluation. So I, I onacrino whether or not it's salt. I diacrino that salt. Does it taste? Mmm, that one's sugar. Oh, I see. I diacrino it as sugar. And then crino is the word that Jesus used. Do not crino. Crino is to distinguish, to make an evaluation. So it would be, I I diacrino. I'm sorry, I, that that is, that is, I crino that as salt, and you put salt in the cookies, you idiot. I can't even make toast myself, but you stupid. That would be crino. In the context of what Jesus is saying, it's judgment that's very harsh, that belittles somebody, that that would try to control them. See, I should, on a crino, examine. If there's something that's happening in the world around me, if people start doing something new, or, or friends are going to a movie, I'm gonna, on a crino, I'm gonna examine. Is that movie okay? for the presence of God to go see, because he's gonna go with me. I'm gonna examine that, I'm gonna onocrino that, I'm gonna judge it, I'm gonna examine if this is right. I should diacrino, I should judge and make an evaluation. No, that movie's not okay, for the presence of God to go with me and see. That movie's not okay. Looked it up, there's oh, three, three nude scenes. Not, no, that's not okay, for the presence of God to go with me. So I'm gonna diacrino that and make an evaluation that's sin. I'm not going to be a part of that. But I should not crino. Jesus forbids me to crino, judge, to be judgmental and critical in my response. You idiots, you sturdy, rotten sinners going to that movie. How, what help does that do? What help does that do? The message translation says it like this. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want that same treatment. The critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. So Jesus is not speaking about making an evaluation. You should make an evaluation. Some things are wrong. Some things are sin. And that requires an examination and an evaluation. We should do those things. That's sin. But we should not... judgmental and you say why can't we keep an open mind and everyone be happy as long as they're not hurting someone i said said it a minute ago i'm okay with an open mind as long as your brain doesn't fall out keep rooted in scripture our brain should be open to one his name's jesus if any other voice is speaking and including this one you should be keeping your guard up you should be asking Jesus, show me the truth. Show me the truth, Jesus. So we should judge. We should judge rightly. Some people just aren't going to get it. So, so, so how, do you, how do you judge rightly? Let me explain it. Some people just aren't going to get it, first of all. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, the person with the spirit makes judgment about all things. So we trust God showing us what's right and wrong. And so anytime there's sin around me, I should make an evaluation. I, I need to keep my guard up. That's, that's sin. That's sin. If you hear a lot, of, a lot of curse words at your work, you might need to internally in your mind say, that's a sin, or nope, oh, bad word, because if you don't, it's gonna come out of yours. You might just need to keep your guard up. Now, if you walk around being Captain America, <clears throat> language, no one, okay, so only a couple of people watch. Marvel, all right. Thank you. If you're, if you're walking around yelling at everybody, what good is that to the presence of God? Well, We'll, we'll talk about that actually um, next. What good is it when, when people don't want to hear what you have to say? Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus continues this idea. He says, give to dogs. I'm so glad dogs is in the Bible. Dogs is in the Bible. That's something to think about. Cats are not in the Bible. (laughs) That's just also something to think about. You don't need to tell me, you don't need to remind me that dogs are always mentioned in the Bible in negative light. I know, it's it's okay, we don't need to talk about that. Do not give dogs what is sacred. So that that would imply like the the meat that they would be um, sacrificing on the altar. Don't give that, that sacred meat, to the dogs. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Don't throw what's really important to you to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So pigs would just trample over pearls, not knowing that they're pearls. They're just going to waddle in their filth. And dogs may just turn around and bite you. Number two, invest wisely. Invest wisely. Don't give to another a message while they show no inclination to accept it. I'm not preaching to an atheist convention today. I'm not preaching my best to an atheist convention. Come on. If I had the opportunity to speak to an atheist convention, I would take it because God's light needs to go to the darkest of places. But I'm preaching my best to people that came to church. Yeah. Come on. You're willing to accept it, I presume, because you came. Some things require the Spirit to be working in a life. Some people are just not going to get it. First Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. Have you ever had a loved one, maybe a child or grandchild or cousin or friend or coworker? make some really stupid decisions, and you want to try to influence them to go in the right way? How do you do it? You don't take the very best that you have and throw it to pigs. You don't take the very best that you have and give it to dogs, or else they may trample over them or turn around and bite your hand. This is not name-calling. It's how they behave. if if it's foolishness to them, if the message of the cross is foolishness to those who do not believe, it's how they're going to behave. That's how they will react when you present truth. Okay, they're either going to, all right, or they're going to bite you. What good is that? So instead, in these moments, we take daily opportunities to present God's love, and we trust God with them. Too many of us invest foolishly. And when the loved one around us starts making very stupid decisions, you see, there's, there's the part in us that, that wants to shepherd somebody. and be a, oh, I'm, I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a mother. I need to, to help. I need to shepherd this. God-honoring. That attitude is good. But we can be foolish in it if they want nothing to do with it and they run away we can flip that. And instead of being a shepherd, we can become a rescuer. No, no, you got to listen. You've got to listen. And they're either going to keep right on trampling over the pearls that you're given or they're going to just bite your hand. We have to allow God to work. When you turn rescuer, does this idea make sense? Have Have you ever been a rescuer? You go rescuing somebody? When you do that, it's a statement of faith and failure. It's a statement of faith and fear. It's demonstrably not trusting God. I have to fix you. I don't trust God with you. I have to help you. I'm your salvation. Mm -mm, You ain't none of those things. Jesus has it covered. Do you trust God or not? So instead of, instead of, Turn into a rescuer. We need to stay in the position of a shepherd and trust God with people and let God draw them back because that's how you would want to be treated. That's how God treats you. Where is God when you have fallen away? You know, our relationship with God is never up and to the right on a graph. It's ups and downs. When you're in one of your down moments and you run from God... You have a bad week and you run from God? Where is God? Right where you left him. Is he yelling at you? Is he slapping you? No, he might try to get your attention. But he's right where you left him. Steadfast, faithful, waiting for you to turn around and say, okay, can you be that person? Can you represent God to the foolish people around you? Invest wisely. Be right where they left you. Keep loving. I have a I have a friend a long time ago who who uh, he's done a lot made a lot of mistakes and uh, about a year, a year or two ago he reached back out and was like Adam I'm ready to give my life to the Lord I prayed with him he received God and then stopped texting me back it was gone I texted him a few times nothing like okay he's out being dumb again and every six months or so I just send him a text hey let me know if you ever want to talk. Crickets, nothing. I'm just waiting. I trust God with him. I don't have to go pull him out of his house and have an intervention. I'm trusting God with him. So invest in other people wisely in such a way that you can be the witness of Jesus Christ. Because if you turn into a rescuer, your shininess gets really dull. All right, here's number three look regularly. Look regularly. Regularly, Jesus teaches, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Sweet! For everyone who asks, receives, the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Let me unpack this. Ask, seek, knock. I think most of us, if not all of us, have heard this verse before. Ask and you shall receive. I think that's that's probably most of us. Let me unpack this. This is not a blank check for prayer. I've prayed for something before, and God has told me no. So not every time I ever pray anything do I receive it. Sometimes there's, there's a no. In fact, Jesus assumes that he remembers what he said 30 seconds ago in Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, pray thy will be done. He literally just said it. In fact, James chapter 4 says, you don't have because you ask not. So we should be asking God. You don't have it because you haven't asked. We should be asking God. So, But when you ask, you don't receive because you were asking with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Okay. Sometimes God will tell you no. Yep. Sometimes a, a good father's uh, generosity doesn't line up with a child's foolish desires. Previous chapter, is clear that some prayers God does not answer. The previous chapter, Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. I'm not honoring that. God does not honor their prayers. Verse 21 of this very chapter, Jesus is quite clear that not every door will open. Many will, will, I think maybe it's next week or the week after, or it's next week, um, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I'll never knew you. Not every door that gets knocked on will be answered. So asking you shall receive is not a perpetual, unlimited, unconditional promise. That idea is just not supported by Scripture. So what's this mean? Scripture is very clear. We should be asking. It's the attitude that we should be having. Be asking. Be seeking. Be knocking. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. In Luke 18, Jesus tells the story, a parable, uh, to help us understand that we should always keep praying and never give up. And at the very end of that, of that section, he says, um, uh, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's not, the, the magic isn't in the ask. The magic is in our asking, our attitude of looking up. This is where my help comes from, my attitude is looking up. Proverbs 25 two, twenty-five two says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out the matter is a glory of kings. Why do we search out? This connects to the golden rule. Why do we search out a matter? Why do we want to look up and receive? We want to look up and receive so we can give. We're blessed to be a blessing. So we're going to do unto others the things that God wants done in their life. So why do we look up because we are his children. Jesus continues his sermon. He said, in verse 9, he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? So in that time, bread was often baked in, in small little loaves that could have been, from a distance, could have been, uh, it, it could look like a, like, a, like a rock, like a big rock. And there was some fish, like catfish, or eels that easily could have been mistaken for a snake. Why would a father give something useless or dangerous to his children? No father would ever do that. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Here's number four Receive childly. Receive childly. That means like a child, if you didn't know. I thought I made up the word. I didn't, actually. It's really a word. Look it up. God wants to bless us. God wants to bless his children. So we should receive like children. But again, it's not a blank check. God's going to give me everything. Yay! It's not, it's not a blank check. It's not a blank check. You know what a good gift is sometimes? A punishment. A punishment. I wasn't thankful at the moment, but today I look back at the punishments my parents gave me as a child. I'm thankful for them. Those were good gifts. There was a couple spots on my behind that were good gifts to me. I didn't feel like it, but I'm thankful for it today. You know what I'm saying? But he wants to bless us. He wants to give us good gifts. And we need to receive the blessings from God, childly. I don't mean like a baby. I don't even mean like a child. I mean like an heir. Receive heirly. That is a made-up word. That's not a word. That's why I didn't use it. But we should receive like an heir. Galatians. I'm coming. Galatians chapter four, verse one. (laughs) What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he's no different from a slave. Although, read it with me. He owns the whole estate. Jump down to verse 6. Because you're his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're his child, God has also made you an heir. When you see yourself as a child of God, you're gonna see yourself as an heir. Heirs see the world through the eyes of their father. They take on the a characteristic of of seeing the world as an owner-operator. You know, if I if I go to some other church or or just some other store, I'm less likely to bend over and pick up trash on the floor. I have no stake into that. You know, it's it's kind of the the fun, the, the fun of renting a car. You ever rented a car? And you're like, I can beat on a little bit. Have fun with acceleration. Am I the only person that's ever, no, I've seen some guys smiling. They're like, yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) It's not your car. Hey guys, if you're an heir, then you look at the kingdom of God and you look at the church that you're a part of as an owner operator. That's your car. You see something on the floor? God let you see it. What do you think you're supposed to do with it? Pick it up. Pick that sucker up. Put it in the trash. This is your house. You see a problem? Fix it. Why do you think God let you see it? Be an owner-operator, because you're an heir. You own the whole estate, right? In the kingdom of God, as children, we own the state of the kingdom of God. We're a part of this. We're co-heirs with Christ, according to the Bible. So if God lets you see something, do something with it. Walk as an heir. Yes. You know, If I'm walking around Microsoft and I see somebody's, somebody's name badge that says, Anything, gates, I'm gonna go, oh. Because that's Bill's kid. You're walking around with, son of God. Walk around. Walk around like that. Adam Deal, son of God. No big deal. There's a problem in the world. God wants to handle this, God wants his peace to be here. There's a problem at your job. Oh, I've got to hide. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Not the children of God. Stand up. Stand up. Walk into it. Bring light to the dark place. You're an heir. When you see yourself as a child of God, you'll do that. So who's going to receive the forgiveness that God dishes out? Who's going to receive the forgiveness that God dishes out? His kids. Who dish out forgiveness? Because that's what heirs do. They represent their father. They dish out forgiveness. And they receive it from God. Who's gonna receive the financial blessings that God dishes out? His kids who dish out generosity, because that's what heirs do, representing their father. I dare you to outgive God. I'm gonna spend the rest of my life trying to do it. Who's gonna receive encouragement? His kids who show love when given the opportunity, because an heir will represent his father. This is about our relationship and partnership with God. It's such a big deal. And Jesus finishes his, this section in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, and he says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Here's number five. Do good continually. Do good continually. Jesus blew minds when he said this. You've heard it a hundred times since you were a little kid. But when he said this, Do unto others as you wish they would do unto you. It blew minds. You see, there had been a lot of people, a lot of philosophers and and thinkers before Jesus who said something very similar, but it was always in the negative. Don't do to other people what you don't wish they would do to you, which is really a low bar. That just means don't hurt people. That's all that that means. Just, Just don't hurt anybody. Don't cause pain. Don't do to others the things that you don't wish they would do unto you. Can we stand together? The band's going to come up. See, many people said, don't do to others the things that you don't wish they would do unto you. But if that's if that's the standard, then all we have to do is not hurt somebody. Just don't cause pain, you're good. But is that what you wish would be into your life to be ignored? You realize that's the only way that you'll never have any pain. The only way you'll ever have no pain is to never talk to someone, to never connect with anyone. To be ignored would be to not be hurt. So you're gonna get hurt from time to time. You're just not alone. Jesus makes this command so much further. He's not saying, Don't hurt anybody. He's saying, all the good that you want done in your life, do it and keep right on doing it. However you want to be treated, be treating everybody else that way. And that's perpetual. It, you will never succeed in this until the day you die. It's, it's, it's not like, oh, mission accomplished, did the golden rule. No, you live it the rest of your life. You keep dishing out what you're wishing. Dish what you wish. Do you want to be mentored? Mentor. You want to be a friend? You you need a friend? Be one. You wish for a husband or a wife? Be the person that they would want. You want to be encouraged? Start encouraging someone. Dish out what you wish for. Keep doing the good because you're an heir of the kingdom. You were created to participate in the kingdom and you're representing Jesus. Every day is another day to embrace our identity. A child of God. When we realize that we're an heir, when we realize that we're children of God, we will walk as children and we will represent Him everywhere we go. Lord, right now we embrace who we are. We're heirs we are your children. Let us represent you well.